Hello and welcome to another episode of Exam World Meets Business World with me, Paul Merrison of the London School of Business and Finance. So what do I have up for you in this episode? Well, today we're going to focus on just one company, one case study from recent times, and for many of you, a relatively well-known one, Carillion, a company that collapsed in early 2018 after 19 years of existence, one of Britain's biggest ever corporate collapses, and I think actually at the time it was the biggest. Not sure whether it still is, to be honest, but anyway, let's get on with it. Now, whether or not you've heard of Carillion, you may not be aware of the wealth of exam-related issues that are involved in the situation. So what I'm going to do is talk you through the story, but rather than focusing on what's in the newspapers, simple facts, everything is going to be with an exam focus. So whether you're sitting accountancy exams, maybe specifically the ACCA's advanced audit paper, or whether you are sitting ICAW accounting exams or SEMA exams or AAT exams, or maybe you're studying accounting or business at university, there'll be something in here for you. So what are we going to be looking at? Key areas, key issues during this little presentation. Well, we're going to be looking at ethics uh, on more than one occasion, in fact. We're going to be looking at business risk, audit risk, audit quality, a little bit of audit reports are going to creep in, and a bit of audit liability as well. So quite a lot of audit-related stuff going on here. So let's start with the basics. Uh, Carillion, big construction company, known for taking on a lot of big projects, uh, things like if the government decides it wants to build a new hospital or a new prison, so we're talking big stuff. Uh, and if my memory is right, I think they were involved uh, in doing some updates, major update work on Liverpool's football stadium as well. They collapsed in early 2018 under huge billion pound debts, 3,000 redundancies as a result of this. A lot of people lost a lot of money. Big shock and of importance to society because a lot of big developments, such as hospitals, were delayed because suddenly the builders weren't turning up. So what can we learn from this then? Why is this of so much interest to any lecturer who is covering business, accountancy, finance type stuff? Okay, so let's start off with some ethics then. KPMG are the audit firm or were the audit firm, I should stress. And they were the auditors of Carillion for all 19, that's one nine years that Carillion existed. So all 19 years. Now, obviously that feels like quite a long time, 
They were coming up to 20 years when presumably Carillion would have had to change auditors as those are the current rules within the UK for listed companies. But they never quite made it. So one audit firm the whole way through. It is perhaps worth noting that the finance director of Carillion for most of the final years of Carillion's life used to work at KPMG. Hmm, should that make us suspicious? Maybe, who knows? So one obvious angle in here is to suggest that maybe if there had been audit firm rotation, if KPMG had been forcibly replaced after a certain number of years earlier in the story, maybe the new audit firm coming in with a fresh pair of eyes and no past history maybe clouding their judgment might have raised issues with some of the accounting going on. I'm not saying they would have done but they might have done. And maybe, of course, that is the very reason why Carillion chose not to try and change their auditors, because they could have chosen to voluntarily, but they didn't. So that's one important angle. There is here a self-review problem. So students of auditing will be familiar with the concept self-review, pretty straightforward. If you're ever checking your own previous work, you might not bother checking it enough because you know you did it, so you trust yourself. Or maybe you don't want to check it too much for fear of uncovering something you might have got wrong in the past. So where is the self-review threat here? Well, if you've let a company get away with, let's say, some questionable accounting practices in the last couple of years, coming back this year, it would be very difficult for you to suddenly say, you know, those things we talked about in the past, this can't carry on anymore, because they'll say, well, are you saying you got the audits wrong the last couple of years? And which audit firm is going to openly admit they've mucked up in the past? You've sort of shot yourself in the foot, haven't you? Once you let someone get away with something, as anyone with small children will know, they're going to get away with it and they're going to keep pushing the limits as well. So we have a self-review threat. And again, if a new audit firm had come in, that would have helped to solve the problem because they would have been quite happy to criticise what KPMG had said in the past. But it's not just about self-review. We have self-interest here as well. Now, the audit fees for Carillion that KPMG were earning averaged around about a million and a half pounds per year over those 19 years. I say they averaged a million and a half. That's actually all the fees KPMG were earning, and not all of them were audits. They were performing some other services as well, predominantly tax but a few other bits and pieces over the course of that time period. So could it be that KPMG did not want to annoy Carillion by questioning their accounts in order to keep earning those other fees as well? Well, maybe. But one interesting point to note here is that over those 19 years, 
the percentage of the fees KPMG were earning that were from other services actually went down and went down quite materially. In the early part of those years, something like 40% of the fees KPMG earned were for other services. In the later years, it's more like about 16, 17%, so a big reduction. Probably largely due to changes in audit regulation, limiting the amount of other services that can be sold to listed clients. But I don't think this is about earning those other fees. It's probably more about just keeping the audit fee. Now, KPMG will have bigger audit fees than a million and a half pounds. There are some very big audits out there, but a million and a half quid is still a million and a half quid. And maybe don't look at it from the perspective of KPMG as a whole. Imagine you're the audit partner. This is almost certainly one of your biggest clients as an individual at the firm, maybe your biggest. And naturally, there will be pressure, maybe from other partners, maybe from the senior partners, maybe just personal pressure not to annoy your biggest client. It's human nature, isn't it? And it's interesting that in reports into the investigation into this, the partner involved not only was accepting hospitality from Carillion, but was also offering hospitality to Carillion directors. So KPMG were taking Carillion out just as Carillion were taking KPMG out, which all starts to make it look a little bit too friendly, a little bit too personal. And we all know that the risk when things get too friendly is there's too much trust or maybe too much, I'll do you a favor, a bit of forgiveness, a loss of what we call professional skepticism. And I'll come back to that one in a minute or two. Let's now talk about risk. And a lot of this episode is about audit. So let's just move slightly away from audit and think business risk. Carillion's operations were primarily about going to tender to win big contracts, often from government, where you go in and say, we'll do it for, I don't know, 500 million. And then it's up to you as Carillion to make sure your costs are well below 500 million so that by the end of the project, you've made a profit. And this in itself is a big risk because the government want to agree a price up front so you know your revenue, but costs, of course, are quite difficult to fix up front, especially for a big project that could last several years. Labour costs might change, supplies might change. I mean, we've all seen this recently as a result of cost of living crisis, COVID. Things can happen. And it looks like Carillion, in order to win a lot of work, were very aggressive and offering the government a relatively low price. Taking a big risk because what if they can't keep the costs low enough, they will end up making a loss on this contract and they'll have to go through with it because it's a contract. And it looks like that's exactly what Carillion did. And worse, 
as they started to get into trouble, they realized they had to keep winning new contracts to have any hope of getting out of it, which meant, of course, even more aggressive pricing and just making matters even worse. Let's now look at the audit perspective, audit risk. Well, it seems from reading the key audit matters in the audit report that KPMG were well aware of the potential business risks and how those translate into an accounting issue. So grab hold of something strong. It's time to talk accounting standards and how you account for long-term contracts. I'm going to keep it brief. Basic notion is if you're say 80% of the way through a contract at the year end, you recognize 80% of the profit, 80% of the revenue minus 80% of the costs. However, let me take you back to something I said a little earlier. The revenue figure's easy. It's contractually agreed with the government who are paying the bill for whatever you're building. The costs, on the other hand, require estimation. There is uncertainty. So if management wanted to manipulate the figures to make a contract look profitable, it probably wouldn't be that difficult. Add on to the fact that management run the business and know how everything works. One would hope they're specialists. The auditors are never going to be as specialists, are they? So if management wants to manipulate these subjective and uncertain figures to make it look like a project could be profitable, when in reality it's highly unlikely, I'd imagine management would and could. Would the auditors necessarily spot this? Well, you'd hope that the audit team has been chosen to make sure they have people with that understanding. But there is a risk that a simple lack of understanding meant maybe they wouldn't. Or maybe it goes back to that scepticism thing I mentioned earlier, and auditors should have been challenging those cost estimations far more than they actually were. And that seems to be the main accusation. It's a common one in auditing. Auditors don't want to annoy their clients. So when it comes to asking difficult questions that they know are likely to upset people, too often it seems the auditors decide never to ask or to simply accept the first answer they're given. Big problem with the world of audit. Let's now move on and look at another ethical issue. The Carillion case has become even more interesting because after Carillion collapsed, the Financial Reporting Council started an investigation into KPMG's audits of the last few years to see if there was any indication that KPMG's audits had not spotted things that they should have spotted. Was there a fault in the audit process? Now, that investigation is actually still ongoing as of the time of publication of this episode. But I was about to say amusingly, maybe amusingly is not the right word, worryingly, scarily, 
KPMG have already been fined 14 million quid. It was actually more than 14 million, but you get a 30% discount if you accept you've been naughty and pay quickly. They've been fined 14.4 million, I think it was. Not for bad quality auditing, but for altering and withholding evidence from the audit regulators during the investigation. Some of KPMG's staff lied to try and cover the bad quality auditing that had taken place. Now, I don't want to sound like this is um, an anti-KPMG podcast, uh, so I should point out KPMG themselves discovered their staff had falsified records, and I understand KPMG themselves went to the regulator and said, we have to hold our hands up to this. This is what we've discovered. So well done to them for at least confessing. But worrying stuff indeed. Uh, and when that all came to light, even more worrying was the fact that different members of the audit team all basically turned on each other and said, well, that only happened because that person told me to. There was a lot of suggestion that staff were being instructed from a higher level not to tell the truth to the regulators. And if that is the case, it suggests a major environmental, cultural problem. And I can't help thinking if that affects one big firm of auditors, it probably is at risk of affecting most. Anyway, the investigation continues and there's every chance KPMG will find themselves being fined more money for bad quality auditing at some point in the future. But we shouldn't prejudge and maybe that won't happen. That all brings me on to audit liability. Because the people who lost money as a result of the liquidation of Carillion, understandably, were not very happy. And they decided they wanted to try and get some money back. And so they sued KPMG. Their logic, KPMG had said the financial statements were true and fair. They therefore argued that management of Carillion would have made decisions which they would not have made if they'd known the figures from last year were not correct. Things like paying out dividends, when in fact, those dividends were probably technically illegal because they were making the company insolvent. They didn't have the money to pay those dividends. So they sued KPMG and said, you must have done negligent audits. Now, that legal case began. They were suing KPMG for £1.3 billion. Huge case. Would have been a disaster for KPMG if that had gone to court and KPMG had lost. Except there was an out-of-court settlement. Uh, it was settled in February, I think it was, 2023. So very recently. As always with these settlements, it's all confidential, so we don't get to find out what actually was agreed. But we do know one thing. 
KPMG definitely paid money. How do we know? Well, we know because the people who were suing KPMG decided they didn't want the risk of running up huge legal costs and then potentially losing. Or maybe they just didn't have the money to pay those legal costs. Now, there are specialist investors out there who will finance legal cases for you. They'll agree to pay all the costs. But yes, strangely enough, they're going to want a return on that investment, which typically means they want all their fees paid for and they'll want a percentage of any winnings. And that specialist investor has announced that they made a £7 million profit funding the suing of KPMG. Now, they apparently spent about £5 million covering the legal fees. So if they made a £7 million profit, that suggests that they got £12 million as their share of whatever KPMG paid. Now, I don't know much about this area, but I've asked around a bit, and it looks like typically fees for this sort of uh, legal support tend to run between 20% and about 33%. Yes, they want a pretty big slice for taking all the risk by financing the legal case. Well, if it's 20%, 12 million is 20% of 60. Which would suggest KPMG have paid out a sizable amount of money. Whether that's them knowing that they're probably guilty and therefore it's safest to pay some money and avoid the publicity, I don't know. Maybe they don't really think they're guilty, but it's such a big case, they'd rather pay that sort of money Avoid the bad reputation of a court case, even if you're innocent. Some people will never believe that. Who knows? But the fact is, that has now finished. KPMG definitely paid some money. And the thing is, even though they've tried to keep the whole thing as quiet as they can, the simple fact is that this will have hurt KPMG's reputation. And that is probably the far bigger issue than paying up 40, 50, 60 million or whatever they've paid. So in summary, Carillion is a company name that before 2018, many people would not have heard of or maybe just saw it on signs next to big building sites. Now, if you are studying any sort of business qualification, Carillion is a case study you want to have an interest in. As you've seen from this session, lots of interesting angles on it. If you are sitting any sort of audit-related paper, loads to think about, loads to look like. And the thing is, it's always easier to understand the theory that you're taught in class if you can see the real-world applications of it. So for now, thank you very much for listening. Keep your eyes open for future episodes. And the next one that will be hitting the streets very shortly is going to look at the recent 2022 collapse of the cryptocurrency exchange FTX.
See you again soon.